On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Model 3 gets an official release date. Model S gets some serious performance upgrades. South Australia partners with Tesla to transition to sustainable energy on a large scale and more. you friends ryan mccaffrey here with you for episode number 101 of ride the lightning the tesla motors unofficial podcast for july 9th 2017 and it is a milestone week for tesla uh there's boy a lot of cool stuff to get to where i was a little just selfishly disappointed that uh my big episode last week episode 100 you know big milestone for me there wasn't really a lot going on in the Tesla world, and I was like, "Oh man, I wanted my I wanted episode 100 to be a, a real memorable one." Looks like that might be 101, at least as far as Tesla is concerned. Hopefully, I'll make a good podcast out of it. But uh, I wanted to start by just noting that the red Tesla Roadster that I was more than happy to foster for uh, Joe Edgel is on its way to him now. Uh, loaded it onto the truck, and uh, it was really neat living with a Roadster for a week. When I, I tell you, when I got back in my car, which is, a, as I've mentioned before, an 06 Infiniti G35 Coupe, it felt like I was driving an SUV after being sitting so low in the Roadster for the last week. And, you know, it's what I'll miss the most, the two things that I'll miss the most about the Roadster. Uh, number one is definitely the performance, the acceleration, just that it never got old. I was like, I was audibly, ca- like, ca- not even giggling, cackling when I would punch it at, at the given opportunities. Just that, that sort of roller coaster like punch in your, in your gut that, 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 that linear acceleration with all that torque does to you, that smooth acceleration. I, I would just, I would just punch it and and just giggle, and it was like, boy, any any bad day is quickly alleviated with a couple of a couple of uh, throttle punches in a roadster. The other thing I'll miss the most is the motor whine. If you've never been in a roadster, but maybe you've been in a Model S or Model X, so the S and the X because they're designed as as premium vehicles, more you know on the luxury side they uh, have sound dampening in them. So you don't really hear the electric motors when they spin up and spin down. But in the Roadster, you hear, you absolutely hear it. And it sounds like the Millennium Falcon taking off into hyperspace when you, or coming out of hyperspace when you get on or get off of, uh, of the accelerator. And it's such a neat sound. It's just n- literally no other car makes that sound. And it's a really, really fun sound that I that I will miss. So... Uh, I'm glad I was able to to live with one for a week. I will say uh, it's an extremely fun car to 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 have some fun in the short term, but it did living with it for a week did actually cure me of wanting to own one. No offense, Joe, because you now you now own one. But it's you know I'm a slight guy, like I'm a skinny guy, not very tall, and it's it's a it's not the most comfortable car to be in. Uh, you're really wedged into it, and God help you if you're a bigger guy, either either uh, like girth-wise or height-wise. 
it is it is definitely not the most comfortable car to be in, but it is fun to to enjoy in short bursts. Uh, you know, if any roadster owners out there that are daily driving them, more power to you. Um, there are definitely things. I, mean, I did get used to it. I was very used to it by the end of the week, but uh, but yeah, definitely more of a fun weekend car in my opinion, which uh, is exactly what Joe's going to be doing with it, <laughs> with his with his business. So I uh, hope you enjoy it, Joe. I took the best care of it that I possibly could. All right, let's get on to the big news for Tesla this week. And there is nothing bigger than, uh, even though I have to actually caveat this real quick, I don't have official confirmation of this as of my recording at 10.13 p.m. on Friday night Pacific time. Uh, but Tesla was expected to have the first production Model 3 roll off the assembly line at some point today. Uh, neither Elon nor tw- Tesla tweeted out or, or made any announcements as such, but uh, we can assume that if it didn't happen today, it's probably happening tomorrow, I would suspect, given that they're, you know, they've got a schedule to keep to. And uh, they did it. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, let me first tell you that the release date, the official release date of the car is going to be July 28th. That's when the delivery event is going to be, which is also the elusive Model 3 reveal part three that we've been waiting for for quite some time. Elon Musk had said, quote, Model 3 passed all regulatory requirements for production two weeks ahead of schedule, expecting to complete SN1, which I'm quite positive refers to serial number one, on Friday, which of course is now the Friday in the past uh, from when you are listening to this. Uh, so he's, he's referring, if you're a, a real car nut, G- SN1 is also basically equivalent to Job 1. Uh, you may have heard it referred to as that before. And how great is it, by the way, that Tesla is ahead of schedule? Hey, Elon must have really, really put the fear of God into those parts suppliers last year. Remember that July 1st impossible deadline? that he acknowledged, oh, this is almost certainly impossible, but we're giving our suppliers, all of our suppliers, a deadline of July 1st to get their acts together or get out of the way while we find someone else who will. The first 30 cars will be handed off to their new owners on the 28th, which I presume all 30 are going to be Tesla employees as they are not only given priority, but they had the first crack at reservations uh, back in late March of last year. You know, I really hope that each of those employees gets a quick moment on stage with Elon just to shake his hand and take their, take their key fob. I mean, I know that would take a while and probably wouldn't make for a very good event while you're watching 30 people come up. You know, if each, even if each one only gets like 20 seconds, that adds up pretty quickly for, you know, from a broadcast perspective. But you know, it'd be a way for employees who, who probably don't get a lot of FaceTime with Elon, or maybe they never have, to get some recognition for the moment there as, as you know, they helped build the company towards that moment. And, and, you know, they get to now be one of the first to drive off in a Model 3. And, uh, you know, even though Elon has said that he's going to keep driving Model S, even when Model 3 is out... I'm presuming that Elon is going to get VIN number one, uh, as he did with the X, and he got VIN number two of the Founder Series cars with the S after Steve Jerviston 
an employee and a, a, rather an investor who I believe also set, sits or at least sat on the board uh, at Tesla managed to beat him uh, in a boardroom, this famous boardroom story for VIN number one where there was a, the story goes that they were having a board meeting and saying, okay, we're officially doing this. Uh, Model S, it's happening. And that Steve took out his checkbook and slapped down a check on the table and said, I want the first one. Uh, so that, that's, the, that's how the legend goes on that. But if assuming Elon is going to get VIN number one, I'm, I'm guessing that it's going to be black because that seems to be his preferred color. That's what color his first S was, and that's what color his first X was that I got to sit in at the Model X delivery event in September of 2015. Uh, so what do we expect to learn at this event? Well, we already know a lot, right? We know what these cars look like, but... The big one, of course, range. Range, range, range. What's the range of the big battery? What's the final range of the standard 60 kilowatt hour battery? Hopefully we're also gonna get a full list of options, even if we don't necessarily get pricing. That was sort of already hinted at with that Model 3 versus Model S anti-sell sheet that Tesla put out for the three. So we'll see. Um, Elon noting more on the production ramp as well here. He says, production grows exponentially, so August should be 100 cars and September above 1,500. Looks like we can reach 20,000 Model 3 cars per month in December. Here's the thing that I'm I'm wrestling with, because I've seen it interpreted both ways uh, from other folks online. I think he means per week there, 100 cars per week, as, because if they're finishing, if they're doing 30 cars basically starting now, uh, between now and, and uh, the 28th, so it's, it's basically a three-week period, um, even three and a half, I have to imagine that that's going to ramp to 100 cars a week in August and 1,500 a week in September, as opposed to 100 in the entire month of August and 15 for the entire month of September. I'm, I guess we don't know for sure, but uh, hopefully we'll get clarification on that, if not sooner than the July 28th event, than the actual July 28th event itself. But uh, still, if I'm correct, if I'm assuming correctly there, it's good news if you're in the same boat as I am, uh, in that you are holding out for all-wheel drive or performance, because that means... That for now, when Elon said early 2018 for all-wheel drive and March-ish, spring-ish for the performance model, we can reasonably presume that those are on track. Now, I want to back up a second, though, and just take a step back and acknowledge what is what has just transpired with the production, with the, the completion of production on the very first production Model 3. Think about it here. Master plan part one is complete now. He did it. They did it. Elon wrote it on August 2nd, 2006. I went back and looked at it again before I recorded this show. August 2nd, 2006, really almost 11 years to the day. It's 10 years and 11 months, effectively. So listen to this. I'm going to read you a couple of excerpts from master plan part one. And listen, 11 years ago, how 
They did exactly what they said they were going to do. And how incredible of an achievement that is, particularly given the magnitude of the job. Of, you know, electric cars were a joke. They were nothing. They were golf carts or they were crushed by General Motors, literally. Uh, so to, to go from that to this, from then to now, it's amazing. So this, this is from Master Plan Part 1. Elon wrote... The strategy of Tesla is to enter at the high end of the market. Now, let me actually just note real quick. This is also pre-Roadster, okay? This, the Roadster was announced, but it had not yet been produced, let alone delivered to anyone. So he said, the strategy of Tesla is to enter at the high end of the market where customers are prepared to pay a premium and then drive down market as fast... Well, sorry, let me... My tone's wrong. Then drive down market as fast as possible to higher unit volume and lower prices with each successive model. Without giving away too much, I can say that the second model will be a sporty four-door family car, that's the Model S, obviously, at roughly half of the $89,000 price point of the Tesla Roadster, and the third model will be even more affordable. Now, of course, the Roadster ended up more than $89,000. It was a one oh nine. Uh, when it when it first released, so uh, and then the S didn't certainly didn't come in at half of eighty nine. It didn't come in at forty five, and there were a few Model S's made for fifty thousand dollars after incentives. But by and large, okay, you know that that didn't quite happen. But and the third model will be even more affordable, in keeping with a fast growing technology company. All free cash flow is plowed back into R&D to drive down the costs and bring the follow-on products to market as fast as possible. When someone buys the Tesla Roadster sports car, they are actually helping pay for development of the low-cost family car, which Elon has said time and again, has reminded everybody time and again. In fact, he did so again on Twitter just this week. And then uh, skipping ahead, uh, the, the master plan, the first one was pretty long. But at the very end, the very end of master plan part one from 2006, Elon's concluded it by saying, so in short, the master plan is build sports car, use that money to build an affordable car, use that money to build an even more affordable car, while doing the above also provide zero emission electric power generation options don't tell anyone. They did it. They, he did it all. I mean, I know some of you, may, maybe you're rolling your eyes here. I, mean, I, I suspect not many of you, because if you're listening to this podcast, you're as enthusiastic about this stuff as I am. But I don't, you know, I just think we should step back and look at and acknowledge that. The, the magnitude of what has just been completed by Elon and the team at Tesla it's astounding. It was all telegraphed to the letter in 2006. And a, a, an impossible task at the time. And here we are in July uh, of 2017. And it's done. They did it. Yes, there are still plenty more to do. You know, producing Model 3 in sufficient volume, meeting demand maintaining the quality, there is more to do. But they have done it. I, and I, I'm, I'm honestly, when I stopped to think about it, I, this, was, this was just 
flabbergasting me today when I went back and looked at the original master plan and just thought about it. And take a 10,000 foot view of this. You're excited for your car, your Model 3. I'm excited for mine. But look, look at the big picture here and it's genuinely amazing. The word amazing gets thrown around a lot. Louis C.K. does a great bit about that. Uh, <laughs> but that's, this is actually amazing. It really well and truly is. So to anyone who may be listening to this podcast who works at Tesla, I want to say congratulations for being a part of this and, and thank you. Just thank you. I mean, I don't have my car yet. I'm eagerly awaiting it. Uh, you know, we, we may, again, at the risk of, of a little hyperbole, we, we may look back on this, this day, July 7th, uh, when the, the first Model 3 rolled off the line, we might look back at this as an historic day. I mean, if Model 3 lives up to not only its potential, but also to its initial buzz and rush of 400,000 plus pre-orders, this will be remembered, this will be looked back on as an historic day. A day we might tell our kids about. You know, I have a six-year-old. And you know, I, one day I might say, I remember the turning point, the, the time, the day, the time when electric cars cracked the mainstream public's consciousness and started to become a regular part of American life and American transportation. You know, you start to see it. Well, I live in a bubble here in the Bay Area. You know, I see a lot of electric cars. I, I was uh, showing my boss's boss. Uh, who has a Model S, was showing him the Roadster the other day. And we went down to the, our parking garage, and, and I looked around, and I, I took note. There were, there were five electric cars all parked pretty near each other. There was uh, a Model S, his Model S, the Roadster I was driving, and then the Mercedes, I forget the name of it, the little electric drive wagon thing, uh, a Leaf, and... Uh, an e-golf, a Volkswagen e-golf, all, all of them down there. And, you know, even though there were probably, there might have been 50 cars in, our, in that parking garage, uh, maybe not quite that many. So it's like, you know, there was a decent percentage of cars that were electric. We might look back, I mean, that, we might look back on that, that stuff like that as, as what, what we look, for those of us that are old enough to remember life before smartphones, you know, we, where it's or it's just like, oh yeah, re- remember that when there were like phone booths and stuff around. I mean, that's that's hopefully what Model Three is going to help usher in. So, uh, bravo to the team at Tesla, congratulations to the team at Tesla, and thank you to the team at Tesla. I absolutely cannot wait to get my car. I'm holding out for what I want, which is performance if I can afford it, all-wheel drive at a minimum. And uh, and the white interior, <laughs> holding out for that. But uh, but it's it is nevertheless uh, even even though I'm waiting, I've waited this long. I can wait a little more. Uh, I can't wait, and it's just a this is an amazing, truly amazing. And even in the in the Louis C.K. version, Louis C.K. Uh, meaning of the word, really really amazing accomplishment. Speaking of accomplishments. Tesla pulled off another one this week when they upgraded the rear drive unit in the uh, 
Model S and Model X. And I'm talking about the base model cars here, not the performance versions, not the P100D, but the Model S and the Model X, both the 75 kilowatt hours and the non-performance 100 kilowatt hour cars got a new rear drive unit, uh, which is go, which is their million mile drive unit, the one that they want, they, they want to see basically last forever, and uh, which which may be the uh, either the same one or, or a the same one as the Model 3 or one that's made using the same technology and processes as uh, the one going into the Model 3. So the S and the X base models were uh, boosted by a second. A second. The uh, Model S is now a car in the low fours. It's about a 4.2 second car. And the X, uh, seeing a, a, a similar similar increase as well. So it's crazy. Again, you, you look at the whole how far Tesla has come in a relatively short amount of time. My cousin Pat, who I haven't mentioned in a while, you know, he's got a very, very early P85, early 2013 P85. His car was the check every box maxed out version of Model S uh, when it first came out in that time. And, you know, it cost, it was a six-figure car, and it does zero to 60 with its rear-wheel drive uh, in 4.2 seconds. The Model S 75D now, uh, which is significantly cheaper than 100000 I mean, you, know, you can option it up, but uh, that car, the, ba- the base Model S, is basically now as quick as the P85 was. In the, in the early Tesla days. That is super cool. Uh, and I, uh, I have to say, my first thought on this was, oh, well, this is clearly to create some more separation from the Model 3 so that people wouldn't just say, oh, well, the Model 3 is practically just the same thing. I'm just going to buy that instead of paying a bunch more money to get a Model S. But I had lunch last weekend with uh, regular caller Michael from Milbray, and I liked his take better. I still think I, I, I believe I'm not. I don't know if I'm optimistic enough to believe his version, but I like his version better. He believes he says, well, maybe it was so that to catch the S and the X up to the three, since the three is getting these new technology, these new drive units and new motors. So, uh, but again, you know, rem- just a quick reminder, remember everything that Tesla has done to try and remind everybody that the Model S is actually the better car and that, hey, you should really buy that now instead of just putting a $1,000 deposit down on a car you won't get for over a year. But uh, we do know, like as I just said, that the Model 3 is getting a newly designed inverter that can handle more power. So it's going to be interesting to see what the what the 0 to 60 times are for each version of the Model 3. Now, the base version, we already know. Tesla gave us that information in that Model 3 versus Model S comparison chart. The base model, 5.6 seconds, 0 to 60. So that's the, that's the 60 kilowatt hour car. I'm thinking the 75 
probably just drops that down to maybe 5.2, something like that. And I figure if you slap the dual motor on there, once that's available, maybe that's a flat 5. That means what about performance? Elon has, has said previously that it, it will be ludicrous. I kind of feel like my, my personal opinion is that ludicrous should be th- under three seconds. Like if it's, if it's over three seconds, you know, if it's in the threes, that can be insane. But they, you know, they have insane, they have ludicrous. Ludicrous should be reserved for under three seconds, in my humble opinion. But Elon had said, you know, on Twitter last year after the Model 3 reveal, of course things can change, but he had said when someone asked him, will it have ludicrous mode as an option, Elon replied, quote, of course. So, but even still, my, my personal opinion aside, I'm thinking from looking at the difference between the Model S uh, and the, you know, the, the bottom end and the top end P100D Model S and Model X, I'm thinking the P75D, which I think we can go ahead and refer to it as at least for now, I'm thinking maybe low to mid threes for that, like, but probably not too low. I'm thinking, my, I'm going to just put, put, put my, my small wager on, uh, or give, give me, if we're doing a pool here, which I know we're not, <laughs> I'm going to take 3.4 seconds, because that's really darn quick. But it's still, that's a full second slower than the Model S. So that creates some significant separation there. Um, and also, 3.4 is, you know, that's, that's not too, too much better than the base Model S. Because again, I think they're going to want to, they're doing everything they can to position Model S as a desirable car, as the better technology car, the higher performance car. So... If, we, if, in fact, we are going to get a Performance Model 3, it's got to be better than the, than the 75 kilowatt hour Model S. There's no way a Performance Model 3 would be slower to 60 than 4.2 seconds. I just don't see that. But, I also, but you also have to remember that the price difference, you know, if you can get a maxed out ludicrous model 3 that does 0 to 60 in like I said maybe 3.4 or so seconds for close to the same price as a base model S you know Tesla's got to be careful about that now of course yes the you know the, the S has it's a bigger car it's going to seat people a little more comfortably with being wider uh it's uh, got way more storage capacity like way more than the Model 3 does, um, and then, you know, other little bells and whistles, too. So we'll see, but I, I think just trying to bear in mind, you know, knowing what we know and seeing what Tesla's been doing with trying to create that separation between the 3 and the S, I'm thinking 3.4. That is that is what the guess I'm taking for the performance Model 3. We shall see. All right, let's move along here. I am... Uh, really chatting it up on this week's episode, but it's, it's, it's important. There's, there's some cool stuff going on. We got Q2 delivery numbers published by Tesla. They did just barely eke out the lower end of their delivery guidance for the first half of 2017. Uh, they, had, they had guided 47 to 50,000 units, 
And after the 25,000 units they delivered in Q1, they delivered just over 22,000 vehicles in the just completed Q2 with a pleasantly surprising here, a near 50-50 ratio of S to X, 12,000 Model S's, 10,000 Model X's. Now Tesla notes here that the that they're actually saying that demand was in fact higher, but they say, quote, the major factor affecting Tesla's Q2 deliveries was a severe production shortfall of 100 kilowatt hour battery packs, which are made using new technologies on new production lines. The technology challenge grows exponentially with energy density. Until early June, production averaged about 40% below demand. Once this was resolved, June orders and deliveries were strong, ranking as one of the best in Tesla history, end quote. Uh, they also added, quote, there appears to be substantial untapped sales potential for Model X. It should also be noted that production quality and field reliability of the Model X, for which Tesla has been fairly criticized, have improved dramatically. It is now rare for a newly produced Model X to have initial quality problems, end quote. Uh, I love hearing that. Again, I've said this before, but what other car company would admit that they have been fairly criticized for anything. Not a lot of companies uh, admit that, certainly, especially in the car business. And that's the kind of stuff that builds trust with consumers. And uh, I wish Tesla was the rule with that rather than the exception. Uh, although they did, they did uh, goof a little bit this week as well, which I'll get to in a little while. But first, I want to keep the good news train rolling with... Uh, one more story before I get to the uh, the, the one I'm mad, <laughs> the one I'm a little upset about. South Australia is building what is effectively the world's largest lithium-ion battery. In a sense, uh, you'll recall a month or two back, Elon Musk publicly talking with South Australian government officials on Twitter. They exchanged had a couple little bit of exchange, and then they had a uh, pr- some private dealings as well regarding uh, the power situation down there. There were you know, some bad blackouts last, uh, last summer for them. Well, a deal is done, and Tesla will be bringing a huge power pack installation to South Australia. So this is from the official Tesla blog on the topic. They said, quote, this week, through a competitive bidding process, Tesla was selected to provide a 100 megawatt 129 megawatt hour power pack system to be paired with global renewable energy provider Neon's Hornsdale Wind Farm near Jamestown, South Australia. Tesla was awarded the entire energy storage system component of the project. Uh, Later it notes, upon completion by December 2017, this system will be the largest lithium ion battery storage project in the world and will provide enough power for more than 30,000 homes, approximately equal to the amount of homes that lost power during the blackout period. Last September, a 50-year storm damaged critical infrastructure in the state of South Australia, causing a statewide blackout and leaving 1.7 million residents without electricity. Further blackouts occurred in the heart of the Australian summer in early 2017. Here is Elon Musk in Australia talking about this and why this is a big deal. 
pretty pretty darn impressed with with South Australia willing to to do a project of this magnitude. Um, but that's beyond anything else in the world. Like I said, uh, South Australia is doing, doing something that's three times more powerful uh, than anything else on Earth. But I, I, I do see this as something that that the world will look at as an example, um, and of being able to do large-scale um, battery applications for, for the grid that really take a large amount of load. You know, it's really going to be an example to the rest of the world. We need to show, we need to get it done. We need to make sure it's working properly, um, and um, and we want to do it in less than a, well under 100 days. I, I think this is this is definitely the way of the future. Um, and I, I think it's worth uh, other states taking a close look at this and seeing if it's applicable to their, their needs, uh, which I suspect in most cases it is. This is another big win for Tesla in the power pack department. And uh, just to remind you what the uh, a number now, this is not just the first, second or third, this is several large scale uh, power pack installations. And this being the largest scale project yet, uh, you'll recall there are others in Los Angeles, Kauai, and New Zealand, among other places. So uh, great stuff. Kudos to the South Australian government for thinking renewably and sustainably here. Finally this week, I uh, hate to bring in a downer, but this is a story that uh, I'm really disappointed in Tesla in. Uh, Tesla has blamed the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, to heretofore known as the IIHS, for a less-than-perfect crash rating on the 2017 Model S. You'll recall that the 2016 Model S had a problem on the same test. Uh, it is, uh, uh, well, like an, like an idiot. I forgot to write down. Oh, here, the small overlap front crash test. There we go. Thank goodness. I had it written down after all in my notes. So they, the 2016 Model S uh, had, had gotten a uh, still, still acceptable, but not a perfect rating, in the, specifically in the small overlap front crash test. Uh, and Tesla claimed that when the, when the rating was released, Tesla said, hey, okay, well, we've fixed the issue in manufacturing. No problem, we're done. Not so according to the IIHS, which said in a statement, quote, Tesla made changes to the safety belt in vehicles built after January with the intent of reducing the dummy's forward movement, referring, of course, to a crash test dummy. However, when IIHS tested the modified Model S, the same problem occurred and the rating didn't change, end quote. Tesla responded to this with, uh, and here, here's, here's what I'm not thrilled about. Tesla saying, quote, Tesla's Model S received the highest rating in IIHS's crash testing in every category except for one, the small overlap front crash test, where it received the second highest rating available. While IIHS and dozens of other private industry groups around the world have methods and motivations that suit their own subjective purposes, the most objective and accurate independent testing of vehicle safety is currently done by the U.S. government, which found Model S and Model X to be the two cars with the lowest probability of injury of any cars that it has ever tested, making them the safest cars in history. So they're not wrong about S and X still being awesome and still being super safe. And, and first of all, too, a reminder that the Model S still scored extremely well overall. That being said, 
it seems like Tesla's taking a little bit of a shot at the IIHS here with that whole methods and motivations that suit their own subjective purposes comment. To me, that is bad form on Tesla's part. It's bad form. That's the kind of blame deflection that other companies do. Tesla, to date, has largely been above that kind of speak, in my opinion. They have, uh, by and large, owned their mistakes up till now, uh, you know, up to this. And, and that's, to me, one reason why I admire and trust them so much. I just got done talking about that earlier in the show, how I thought that they handled uh, the, uh, you know, the fact that they, they went ahead and just volunteered the whole, hey, we've been fairly criticized for Model X thing. You know, that, that's, that's the Tesla that I know and love. The, oh, hey, the, it's, it's not our fault the car didn't get a perfect rating. The IHS has their own motivations and subjective purposes. That, don't be like that, Tesla. Don't do that. Accept the results and work harder to fix it. It's funny, their, their disappointing answer here, just to end on a bit of a lighter note, it reminds me uh, of what Heath Ledger's Joker says in my all-time favorite movie, The Dark Knight. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. And yes, by the way, Tesla is Batman in that scenario. <laughs> so just in case, just in case you were uh, wondering about that uh, analogy I was making. All right, uh, that's it for a a very momentous week of Tesla news. Be right back here with a word after a word from uh, our new sponsor, uh, who we're going to hear from every other week for a little while here, and then we'll move to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Let me tell you about Wonder Capital for a moment. Wonder Capital's online investment platform allows you to invest in solar energy projects across the U.S., earn up to 8.5% annually, while also diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. In fact, investors just like you financed 40 large-scale solar projects in 2016, offsetting the CO2 emissions from 2.8 million pounds of burned coal. You can begin investing with as little as $1,000 and know that that money is going towards, as Elon Musk would say, accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. And best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't charge any investor fees. To learn more, create an account for free at wondercapital.com ride. That's wonder spelled W-U-N-D-E-R. Wonder Capital, do well. And now back to the show. All right, it's Ride the Lightning Hotline time. I encourage you, I invite you to call in didn't get a ton of calls this week, so I've just, in fact, I've just got three for you, uh, which, was, which was expected. It's a hol- it was a holiday week in the U.S. A lot of people are traveling. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're relaxing. They're vacationing. So that, I've noticed that tends to happen during holiday weeks. I tend to get fewer calls. So uh, let's keep them coming this week, especially I'm sure a lot of you have reactions to the first Model 3 coming off of the line. Maybe you disagree with me on how Tesla replied to the IIHS with the crash test thing. Um, maybe you have your own take on what Model 3's production means to you. And uh, you know, if, if, if you agree with me that it's a, an historic occasion, etc. Give me a call, toll free, anytime. All you gotta do, call and leave a message anytime, day or night. It's one 
888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or you can just record your question on your smartphone, your voice recording app, and email me the file. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. But if you're calling into the hotline, you should know that it's provided kindly by lifeonrecord.com. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Let's go first to Brad in Grand Rapids, who asks about autopilot and full self-driving capability and uh, what situations it may encounter. Brad, you're on the air. Hey Ryan, this is Brad from Grand Rapids, Michigan calling. Uh, I just had a few questions about autopilot and specifically as it relates to the eventual full self-driving capability of Teslas. Um, so first off, as a Michigan resident, I often have to deal with you know a lot of snow and ice in the winter as many of us do up here in the north. Uh, and it requires you know a lot more cautious, more slow driving sometimes as you know sometimes you have to drive like as much as 20 miles 20 miles per hour slower than the posted speed limit uh, depending on the conditions and the you know the weight of your vehicles or the tires uh, i'm just curious if you think you know tesla is keeping the kind of these kind of things in mind as they create autopilot because <laughs> they're a california based company um, and they don't get snow as much i guess is my thought uh, and then another thing i have thought about recently in regards to this is construction road construction um, we seem to deal with that a lot here in Michigan. I'm sure everyone does, but uh, I can think of some. You know, most of this, most of these situations are just you know you need to drive slower so you can get through the area safely. Uh, but there's some more extreme situations I've encountered, such as like when a freeway is being like an entire section of freeway is being worked on a divided freeway, and the construction zone actually requires you to cross over the divide into the totally other side which would normally be just straight on oncoming traffic, but they create like a two-lane highway out of that that oncoming traffic lane. Um, so I'm just wondering if you think this might be something that could throw, you know, a potential autopilot thing kind of for a loop, um, or if if you think they got that kind of handled. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I can't wait to have a car that can drive autonomously. I'm currently looking at potentially getting a Model Y. Um, but these kind of questions make me wonder, you know, or, you know, just think about safety in general. So any uh, thoughts you could give on that? I appreciate it. Uh, And keep up the great work with the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Brad. So with snow and ice, the traction control in the car seems to be pretty good at gripping. So that can, I think just the car's general computing and traction work can handle some of it. But what I'd like to do here is actually open this up to listeners of mine who are current Tesla owners and have used autopilot in wintry conditions. Now, I realize that's uh, maybe not quite a trick question because autopilot's obviously currently only for highway use, and if it's snowing, you're probably not busting down the freeway at 75. But if anybody out there has used autopilot in in any kind of maybe light wintry conditions, and maybe you, you set it to a lower speed, maybe 45 or something like that. So I'd love to hear from folks so that uh, Brad can get an answer directly from folks with hands-on, real-world experience in this. As for road construction, Brad, 
I, I admit, I don't have a good answer for you because the case that you describe is absolutely something we've all run into. It's also one of a million edge cases that I have no idea if or when Tesla will be able to solve. Speaking personally, like I live in a neighborhood where some of the streets uh, that are two-way are so tight because of cars parked on the street that if two people are coming towards each other, you know, on, on opposite sides of the street, one of you has to pull over and yield to the other one. And then, you know, common courtesy is if you pulled over to let the other person go, the other, you know, the, the person that uh, is that you let go, you know, gives you gives you a little wave, uh, and then you keep on going after they go by. So, how is a level four, or level five self-driving Tesla or any other car going to handle that kind of scenario? I I really suspect it's these kinds of edge cases, such as the one you describe and I describe, that are probably some of the the hardest work that Tesla has with advancing the autopilot software. Not that the existing work isn't hard. I'm sure it's very, very challenging, but but yeah, it's those it's those things that aren't obvious from road signs or from uh, lane markings that I think uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how, how the full self-driving capability with Tesla evolves to handle those cases over time. Let's go next to a gentleman who called in uh, by the handle Lone Star V. Lone Star. Uh, I love Spaceballs so much. Makes me want to go watch it now. Lone Star V from Texas uh, wonders if Tesla might keep building Model 3s that might be able to sneak into some hands of folks who, who aren't on the pre-order list. Let's hear what he's thinking on that. Lone Star V. Saddle up, partner. Hey Ryan, Lone Star V here from Texas. Uh, I'm recording this, by the way, as my son watches you play Sea of Thieves. <laughs> uh, I wondered what you your take was on Tesla possibly continuing to build the basic Model 3s that they're going to start with. I say basic. Uh, the ones that they're going to start with the production. It, it, you know, Once they fill their allotment of the back orders, the reservations, if you will, if they'll continue to build some to, to lease and maybe even stock at some of their uh, showrooms around the country uh, in order for people that don't have reservations right now who might be urged on by the sexiness, if you will, <laughs> of everybody else driving around their model threes um you know that want to get in on the game but don't want to have that one year wait to get on on the at the back of the list um just wonder what you thought if they might do that uh admittedly a selfish question since i'm going to be looking to uh open a new lease or buy uh march of next year so looking forward to your thoughts uh and thanks for everything you do man good luck well Honestly, I think people will be able to pick up a gently used inventory car, uh, Model 3, here or there, you know, kind of in a rare situation. But by and large, I just don't think Tesla is going to make cars available to people that aren't already on the reservation list because it would be super not fair to the people on the reservation list. In fact, it could even cause a riot if, because, if, uh, even in the situation where that that person jumping the line, as it were, was buying a car that they didn't configure to their exact specifications. On a larger point, though, 
It's gonna be interesting to see how Tesla handles this kind of thing as they grow. If they end up selling half a million or a million cars a year in two to three years from now as their, as their goals uh, lay out, are they just gonna crank out cars and maybe keep a small stash of new inventory at the, at the Tesla stores for people that wanna buy a car right now and don't wanna wait four to six weeks to get one? You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about a traditional dealer footprint where it's a big lot, big piece of property with dozens, if not hundreds of cars on it, but you know, something a bit smaller. I wonder if Tesla might go that way at some point. It seems like they might almost have to, given the volumes that they're talking about producing. So that's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on over time. Finally this week, Frank calls back in uh, to respond to Jay from Australia, who had, who had in turn originally responded to, to, uh, to, to Frank. So we've got a good dialogue going here. Uh, Frank's still wanting to discuss the, the sustainable energy situation uh, and how to get there. So Frank, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Frank again. Just a quick follow-up to uh, Jay's response from last week. And please feel free to counter. I'm just trying to understand this. I get that charging a battery with another battery creates an extra loss in efficiency. However, we're assuming this energy is coming from the sun. Thereby, does it really matter that we're losing about a 10 to 20% in efficiency, even though the car will most likely be charged up at the time you wake up? In other words, this efficiency loss is kind of irrelevant to me since we didn't even create this energy to begin with. It was already created for us. We're just now converting it from the sun. I just still don't understand why you can't charge a battery with another battery besides it being super expensive. However, if this isn't the way to achieve 100% sustainable transport, then what is? What is Elon's ultimate vision to achieve this if it isn't with charging other batteries with batteries? And not only you, Ryan, but if there's anyone else who's listening to this, please feel free to interject. Thank you. Well, rather than me get into this, I'd actually, because I, I admit I am not an expert on this topic. I know the car is best. I'm still learning about the energy loop and, and, and the whole energy side of the Tesla business. So I would like to invite Jay or anyone else to keep this dialogue going and respond to Frank and educate us all. I mean, I know I've got a ton of smart folks out there. I know that for a fact, because, you know... This is a good, this is the kind of topic where it's a good dialogue to have here to help us all better understand the end goal of Tesla and how Tesla wants to get there. So, Frank, thank you for calling back in. We'll see, uh, we'll see who gets back to us on this. And that concludes the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment for this week. Again, please call in. Hopefully now you're back in town from your vacation Give me a ring. There's been a lot to call to, to respond to this week that maybe you want to call in about. The toll-free number, leave a message anytime, day or night, 1-888-989-8752. Or if it helps you remember it a little more easily, 1-888-989-TSLA. Or just record on your smartphone, record your question, and email me that recording. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail. Com. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this.
right, time to hit the road. But first, I want to remind you that abstractocean.com has uh, Tesla accessories for you and your car, whether it's a silicone key fob pocket for your S or X or a lanyard or something else. They got a bunch of neat stuff over there. Get 20% off of your order by using the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. If you're buying a Tesla, you're putting down the cash to get yourself a Model S or Model X. Well, we've got a new referral code, as I mentioned last week, from our friend Gordon in Hawaii. He's got some free unlimited lifetime supercharging referrals to hand out, which I am happy to help him do uh, because it will help me get a lottery's chance at winning, actually winning a Tesla. So, you know, that's, that's all I'm looking for is the chance, the chance to get one. So uh, if you are buying an S or an X, get yourself $1,000 off of that purchase and free unlimited lifetime supercharging by using this code. Put it into your browser. It's ts.la slash Gordon 1872. That's G-O-R-D-O-N 1872. Follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me anytime as well. Teslapodcast at gmail.com. Most of you subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already subscribe though, why not do so? Makes it nice and easy. Then the show gets automatically downloaded for you each week. You You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed or individual downloads at the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. And I uh, remind you, for you Patreon supporters, thank you for your continued support on Patreon. Your bonus episode for July is up. It features calls from uh, Ryan from Denver, our friend Lawton in Chicago, Aaron from Connecticut, Jason in Newport Beach, Jeff from Grand Rapids, Matt from Nova Scotia, Jim from Idaho, and Michael from Milbrae. All of you guys featured in there. So if, you're a, if you support me on Patreon at the $10 level or higher, you get access to that and every bonus episode that it's posted once per month. Uh, if you do not already support me on Patreon, would love it if you would at least consider doing so. Maybe just take a look at the page, see what's doing on there. Uh, and maybe you'll decide to uh, support me. But if not, I'll still be here each and every week. The page, though, if you do want to take a look, it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Podcast. Of course, I will sign off by thanking the, uh, the list of folks who support me at the $20 or higher level. Many, many thanks to all of you. Uh, we've got a few new ones this week. In fact, I'll start with them. It's Emotion Rentals. Uh, Richard Ouellette, Richard, please correct me if I've butchered your name. I'm, I think, I just don't know what else it could be. I'm looking at it. Uh, O-U-E-L-L-E-T-T-E. Richard, I think Richard Ouellette. Uh, Andreas Cohen. Thank you to, to all three of you, our new Patreon producers. Thank you, guys. And then uh, they join Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, John Waltauer, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, Robert Maracle, Kyle Stover, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, David Vakil, 
Howard, uh, pardon me, Harold Plug, sorry about that, and uh, J- oh, two more, Jason Chalukas and Charlie Payne. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support of my efforts here. I do sincerely appreciate it. All right, we are T minus three shows until the, uh, the Model 3 will have been released. Again, I hope to be at the event. Invites have not gone out yet, but uh, I'm going to keep working on that. So I'm sure we're gonna, there's going to be plenty to talk about between now and the actual Model 3 event. So stay tuned each and every week. Every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time is when a new episode comes your way. Uh, until then, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, everybody, and I'll see you next time.